the Let's Go Racing Family Podcast, sharing our love through NASCAR, running, and just racing through life. Hosted by Sebastian, Giovanni, Karen, Tony, and me, Johan. Each week, we'll talk about our view of the world through the lens of racing. Welcome back to another episode of the Let's Go Racing Family Podcast. This week, we're going to be talking about the Pocono Double, which was pretty eventful. I know you guys don't like Pocono as much as I do. I, I think it's one of I, my favorite tracks. I like tracks. Pocono. I like Pocono. Especially when it's all in one weekend. Yeah, it's pretty fun. We're also going to be making our race picks for the upcoming circuit of the... Road no, America. It's Road, Road America. America. Blah, blah, blah. You got Coda on the brain. Yeah, I was I got confused because they both have America in their name, and I just got a little confused. And then we're also going to be doing our first ever rendition of a segment that we teased a long time ago. I think it was like the movies of racing or something. Yeah, it's a racing through our racing through life segment, but we're going to talk about our experiences and what our, and what we think about certain movies that relate to racing and cars. This week. We all got a chance to see in the theater, which is significant in this post-pandemic world that we live in. What was that movie, Johan? F9, The Fast Saga. The Fast Saga. So, as we dive into the Pocono weekend races, we're going to be trying something new where we're going to be essentially asking each other questions and answering them about the race while also trying to somewhat recap the race in a bit of a fun and unique way. Question number one is... What was the biggest surprise from the Pocono double weekend? Honestly, the biggest surprise was Kyle pushing in. That was the biggest surprise for you? Yeah. I did not expect to hear Kyle was singing. I mean, it was it was pretty surprising. My biggest surprise was watching the final lap of Lightning McQueen's first or race in the first Cars movie actually happen. When Kyle Larson's tire just blew and he went into the wall like that was crazy because it was the very last lap and the very last turn and he was about to win and his win just blew up with that tire. And what's amazing about it is that if you know anything about Pocono, it is one of the largest tracks on the NASCAR Cup Series circuit. It's about two and a half miles, but it is shaped as a triangle. So it's not the typical oval. And it's also very flat. It's similar to Indianapolis. The setups that they run at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway for NASCAR is similar to Pocono because they're very flat. There's not a lot of banking. So they got a break and, and, and then they have long straightaways. Did you just say NASCAR? No, I didn't say NASCAR. Did I say NASCAR? I heard NASCAR. No, I didn't say NASCAR. Uh, but in any Geo event, has NOS he's on got NASCAR on the brain. We'll, 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 talk, we'll talk about NASCAR later. We'll get to the Fast and Furious NASCAR. So the track, it's really big. It's a long track. It takes a while to get all the way around because of the shape and all of that. It came down to the last turn, the last part of that last lap. It's just crazy. You go all these miles, this entire race, all these laps, and on that last turn is where it, it happens. This was like a Daytona race. You got pack racing. It's never done till it's done because Daytona has a lot of last lap passes. I think for me, something that was pretty cool to see was probably the fact that both Daniel Suarez and Bubba Wallace got top 15 finishes in both races, which I think is pretty cool, especially for teams that just started the season. 
for me, the biggest surprise was the fact that Kyle Larson did not win one of those races. The way that his season had been going, clearly he was well on his way to winning that first one. But it's just amazing he didn't win either of them. That I was know. The most surprising I, I actually didn't pick him last week because I was like, he can't actually win another race. And as I'm watching that last final lap, I was like, oh, my word, he's going to win four in a row. That is crazy. That is not possible. Five if you count the all-star race. Yes. So, yeah, amazing that he never won this weekend. For me, the most shocking thing was how even though they were at the same track and they were almost the same length, one race was a normal, like, it didn't have any factors with the exception of the Kyle Larson blowing a tire. On that last lap. Yeah. But for, aside from that, there wasn't, like, any stakes of, like, something could totally change the race. Well, the second race was very much a fuel race. Like, they were talking about in those, like, last 10 to 20 laps how these drivers are going to start to run out of gas and it could mean that certain drivers could win and like they're like doing strategy so it's kind of crazy and weird to see how even though they're the same track same weekend and almost the same length one race is completely different from the other race there were definitely some surprises for Pocono for the second question what was your favorite moment from the double? My favorite moment was one that Johan mentioned, Kyle Busch singing. Because I like it when people I watch, like with sports and movies and stuff, are able to do things that like I do. And it's like, oh, we're kind of like like Kyle Busch singing um, pop culture songs. That's something I would totally do. And not care what he sounds like. Yeah, I would do it the entire race if I could. I was quite shocked about that too especially because you know he has a reputation for being such a negative nelly when things aren't going his way so you definitely know he was having a good uh race weekend or race day uh when he felt the need to sing that song of all songs too despite the fact that he was having trouble with his car that's what i thought was a bit ironic that he was having problems with his stick shift and he seemed like he was just chilling he was okay with it he was okay. He was just like, whatever, I'm just going to race my car. Whatever happens, happens. Now, for the record, the song, the singing came before he had the the the, the shifting problem. Uh, however, it's still, to your point, like, I think because he was in such a good mood, it didn't put him over the top. And because it didn't put him over the top in frustration, he was able to recover ment- mentally and still make it work. Like, think about it. If he was... If he wasn't in such a good mood, he would have let the disappointment of that transmission and be like, oh, you know, just because think about it last year. He had a bad he had one thing after another, and then it just it fed the negativity. And this year it was like, you know what? I'm just going to make the best of it. And because he made the best of it, it worked out in his favor. It's amazing that he was in such a good mood. I think. My favorite part was probably, again, the Kyle Busch thing. I think that was pretty funny, you know, seeing how, like, excited he was. And it's also pretty cool because he actually was the most dominant driver over the entire weekend, finishing both second and first in both of the races, as well as leading overall 60 total laps for both races, which doesn't seem like a lot, but some other people did lead a lot 
there were a lot of lead changes throughout the races. So 60 total laps is pretty good for Kyle. Yeah, no one no one even came close. I think the next was uh, William Byron for the weekend. He led 35 laps and Kyle Busch led 60. So that is pretty impressive. My favorite part was honestly seeing that 48 back in victory lane again. Well, I figured you would like that. I think my favorite part was the first race was very exciting for a Pocono race. Uh, I was actually paying attention the entire time. I think the drivers were very aggressive and very competitive in this race. Um, So that was a lot of fun to see. And we had drivers that were up there. I mean, in that first race, Suarez was running top 10 at the end of uh, stage one. And uh, what did he end up? Yeah, he actually got a he got stage points. Yeah. In that first race, he got stage points in that first race. He ended up finishing top 15. He finished in 13th. So not a bad day. Again, another great day for Suarez and that track house team. Uh, For me, my favorite moment, honestly, was seeing Michael Jordan. Now, we weren't at the track, so I didn't actually see him, but seeing pictures of Michael Jordan at the track for that weekend, I think shows a lot like Michael Jordan's investment in the 2311 isn't just his name and maybe some money. I think he is vested in seeing this team succeed and seeing him go to Pocono to watch his team race and then have his team do so well on Sunday, I think speaks volumes and hopefully will reaffirm his decision to get involved with NASCAR. So I thought that was kind of cool to see pictures of Michael Jordan at the track. What is a more devastating way you had to lose a race on the last lap? Um, either blowing a tire on the final turn or running out of gas. I think the way Kyle Larson lost the race is, to me is more devastating. Like if I know that I'm so far ahead of a, of the second place car and I'm going to win, I'm coming on around that last turn. I can see the finish line and then boom, my tire busts and there goes my victory. That to me is much worse than if I ran out of gas, because if I'm running out of gas, I already kind of have an idea that I'm maybe playing, you know, a little bit with my gas. Like, I'm going to try to conserve, but there's a chance. So if I run out of gas, it'll be like, ah, I didn't do everything that I could to save gas. Uh, But it was somewhat possibly expected if I run out of gas. The blowing of the tire on that last turn would be gut-wrenching for me. I think I got to agree with you. I was actually going back and forth. I'm like, what is worse? Because I've seen my favorite drivers, like Dale Sr., I think lost a 500, blowing a tire on the last lap, gut-wrenching. And then, of course, Dale Jr., running out of gas at the 600, like that's gut-wrenching. However, to your point, if you blow a tire on the last lap and you're leading up into that point, you're expecting to win and you drove your way up and for the tire to explode, that's way more unexpected and more of a gut punch than just running out of gas. Cause you're running the, you're rolling the dice anyway. And, and a lot of times in a fuel mileage race, the guys that win that, they may not have had another chance at winning. You know, it was because of the fuel mileage, they were to roll the dice. So I think losing something you're expected and should be winning because you are the best car and you lose that to me. So I would say I agree with you. I think blowing a tire on the last lap. Yeah, same here, Mom. What you said was basically what I was thinking. Yeah, same. I think blowing a tire on the last lap is much worse. Honestly, I would go with running out of gas because like 
blown a tire, I would know because like, oh, I haven't like got new tires in a while. So I would probably be like, I'm bro- I'm going to blow a tire soon. Now, just theoretically saying, what if your tires were completely fresh like 10 laps ago? And I ran onto something that cut my tire. Or they just randomly blew up. Like, I guess what happened to Kyle Larson. I would be pretty mad, but then, like, running out of gas like Dale Jr. did on the Coke 600 and then Jimmy Johnson did in 2017, it would freak me out. I would be so mad. All right. Which of the two races did you like the best and why? And I'll go first. So, like I mentioned earlier, I liked the first race. Um, I'm going to be 100% honest and say I think the whole thing with Pocono is that they tend to be a bit boring, those races. But... The Saturday race was a lot of fun to watch there. Like I said, there was a lot of competitive driving. There were cars up there that you weren't expecting to be up there. And yes, even though Kyle Larson took off, you know, there was still a lot of driving. I would disagree in my opinion, and I would pick the second race. But that mainly comes down to the fact that it was a fuel mileage race. Kyle Busch sang and he won. So honestly, I have to agree with him. I love fuel mileage races unless the favorite driver ends up running out of gas like 2017 Coke 600 or 2015 Pocono race where not one favorite driver but two favorite drivers ran out of gas. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to agree with mom here. I did actually enjoy the first one more. While yes, Kyle Larson kind of dominated near the end, I did actually see there was a bit more competition mid-race, early race, and near the end race. It was pretty cool, you know, seeing all these drivers compete up there, like Kyle Busch, Joey Logano, Alex Bowman, all of these guys. It was really cool to see them up there and competing for a win. I guess Sebastian, Johan, and I are going to be prisoners of the moment. And what I mean by that is, I think, Giovanni, you and your mom made a great case for the first race, right? Because consistent, like the overall race was was better it was more competitive it was more entertaining that's your point right the entire race but i think for the three of us because the last thing we remembered where it's like a recency bias right where the most recent thing that we experienced was more exciting which was the end of that second race and that for me is why i think the second race was more exciting because i was more excited for that last part of that second race than any part of the first race because it was just so unexpected and you really were counting down the laps and you weren't sure who was actually going to win. And so I think that to me was much more exciting. So I thought the second race was the better of the two. Also, maybe because you were asleep for the entire first race and found out the winner. I was going to say, on, like, you didn't see the point, first though. race. Because it's true. Giovanni and I were the only ones All that right. were on the bed going, oh, man. Oh, did you see that car? Oh, my word. He's just like, oh. Objection. Uh, Mom, I was like that. Okay. Well, I, I felt I like NASCAR and I... better than okay. football. Okay. okay. Confession time for our audience. I may have dozed for a moment because we actually didn't watch the race live. A moment? A moment, a moment? of 325 and laps. Because we didn't no, watch it uh, live. 120 I mean, miles, miles. 120 laps. I had actually known who won, so I wasn't as into it because I knew the results. No one else did, and that's why you guys were into it. But yeah, you were giving off some heavy anyway. Well, I'm not gonna lie. I had fun. <laughs> second see, race was still much. I had better. fun the last few laps of the second race watching people I didn't want to cross the finish line going into the pits. So 
that's just the bias I have. Well, listen, let's run through real quick the top five for the last uh, those last two Pocono races. Sebastian, why don't you take us through top five for Saturday? All right. So for Saturday's race, Alex Bowman got first while Kyle Busch got second. William Byron got third, Denny Hamlin fourth, and Ryan Blaney got fifth. Wow. So Kyle Larson leading on that last lap goes from first to ninth on a blown tire. That's crazy. Johan, uh, take us through the top five for Sunday's race. The top five for Sunday's race were in fifth, Bubba Wallace, fourth, Kevin Harvick, third, Brad Kozlowski, second, Kyle Larson, and first, Kyle Busch. All right. Candyman, win number two, right, Sebastian? For the yep, year? win number two. And the good Candyman. The good Candyman. All right. Uh, in terms of our race picks, I was supposed to have the best weekend of everybody because I had Kyle Larson and was well on my way to three points when he blew a tire. But I was able to salvage two points because he came in second on Sunday. Well, he still finished top 10 despite the fact that he blew a tire. So he. Uh, oh, that's right. I, I told you he pulled the lightning McQueen. He like hopped his way. He hopped his way to the end. <laughs> to the- Karen, what did you do? How'd you how'd you finish? This I week? picked Harvick and. He did okay. I mean, he didn't do anything magical like he did last year, but he finished eighth in the first race and he finished fourth in the second race. So he got two top 10 finishes. And he did pretty well last week too. So I'm starting to think that maybe they're starting to turn around. It'd be interesting to see Stuart Haas as we get into the late summer, because that was a hallmark of Tony Stewart in his career. He may not always start the season off well, but he was one of the hottest drivers always coming down the stretch. And it sound, it looks like that Harvick and Stuart Haas teams are starting to turn things around. 2011, um, was he not so hot in the beginning? And then he got hot on the end and then tied with Carl Edwards, won the Homestead Miami race and won the championship. So I'm making my prediction for the championship. Kevin Harvick's going to win another championship. Wait, every week you change it. Last week it was Kyle Larson. Now The week Kevin before Harvick. it was Timmy Hill. It was Tim, Tim, did you really see Timmy Hill? Yeah, he said Timmy Hill. Like I said Timmy ago. Hill for, for 2022. Right. For next year. All right, all right. Well, still, it's kind of crazy. All right, Johan, how'd you do this weekend? For Denny Hamlin in race one, I got two points. He finished fourth, and then he had to pit. Um, I didn't want he him to win. He ran out of gas. But I wanted, I wanted him to get at least get the top five. I wanted Kyle Busch to get the win, and I was like, oh, come on, Kyle, pass him, and Denny, don't go in the pits. But he ran out of gas, so he got none points. So I only got two points, but eh, better than one. I think none. that's another team that's starting to turn things around, too. Even though he ran out of gas, he did well. So for my pick, I picked Joey Logano because I think he's pretty good at Pocono. And, you know, I wanted Joey to do a bit better than Denny Hamlin to prove Johan wrong for saying that Joey's not good last week. So in the first race, Joey got a top 10, got me one point. And then in the second race, Joey ended up getting 10th place. And I think what makes it even better was Denny Hamlin was in the top 10. In fact, he was in the top five, right? And he falls out. And I am just like, yes, because everyone starts pitting, right? Because they're all running out of gas. And Joey was like 15, 16 and worked his way up to 10th, which I think was amazing. And uh, got to prove it, Johan. So, uh, well, he only got one win, and that's in 2012 for JGR. At Pocono? Mm-hmm. 
and he was in JGR equipment. And there goes Johan with his drop the mic moment. Sebastian, how did you do? I feel like I'm on a roll. Am I the only one who feels like that? Because I picked Kyle Busch, and he got second on Saturday, and he won the race on Sunday, which got me five points. How is that on the standings, Mom? After Pocono, I'm still in the lead with 23 points. Tony is second with 19. Johan has 17. Giovanni has 16. And Sebastian has 15. Oh, Sebastian's starting to warm up. I'm coming for you guys. Let's do this. He's Jaws. I, I mean, you're only four points out of second, so that's not bad. Okay, now my leftovers and family race picks championship prediction. Sebastian's going to win it. Oh, my goodness. We'll see you who start, picks you next start week. terrible, you're Again, gonna go hot. Recency bias, prisoners of the moment. That's our that's our MO. Our MO, exactly. Sebastian, where are we going next week? Next week is the 4th of July celebration for the United States of America. And in honor of that, we are going to Road America. Can I just say something about that? This is the most American race in all of NASCAR history. You're racing on America's birthday, the 4th of July. And then you're racing on a track called Road America. And then you have patriotic paint schemes? Seriously. The only way this would be more American is if either Uncle Sam or Captain America were the Grand Marshal. Do we know who's the Grand Marshal? I don't know, but it could still be one of them. And what's with the accent? What, I was going to say, what, what, to be what, Uncle pre- Sam? <laughs> what president is this that we're I am imitating? The, this is American me. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's an American. It's Sam the as Eagle. As opposed to non-American <laughs> Sebastian. Yes, you're Sam the Eagle. All right. With that, let's get into our race picks. It's the Let's Go Racing Family Picks of the Week. I don't know what else to say. It's the most American race in the history of NASCAR, according to Sebastian and Johan. All right, Karen, you're in the lead. So who are you picking to win this weekend at Road America? I am going with the king of race course. I'm going with the number nine of oh, Chase Elliott. Chase. Oh, man, that, that's going to throw me for a loop because I thought that was my backup because, of course, I can't pick Kyle Larson because I already picked him. So I think I'm going to go with a dark horse for me. I'm going to go with Martin Truex Jr. in the 19th. That's not a dark horse. He hasn't really done much lately. Okay, you have a point. All right. Johan, who are you picking to win at Road America? This is a true dark horse. The, the team is not full-time, but they will go full-time next year. He's Let's racing, go. though, right, Johan? Yeah. He's racing. He, he's racing. Let's go to number 16 for Call League Racing, AJ Allmendinger. He's back. Ooh, Ooh that's he's a, going with the dinger. That's a big one. That could be a, 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 a true dark horse win. Giovanni, who do you got winning? Well, just like Johan, he's not racing full-time this season, but he is on my favorite team in NASCAR right now. And he's driving a pretty stylish car, the 33 of Austin Sendrick. Austin Sendrick. All right. And he won last week. Didn't he win the Xfinity last week? I believe so. Yeah. So he's on a run. All right, Sebastian, bring us home. Who do you got winning on the most American of American races at NASCAR Road America? Speaking of the Xfinity series, like how I did my picks for Nashville, I'm looking towards the Xfinity winners for Road America. 
and the last winner there drives the number 20. I am going to go with Christopher, Christopher Bell to win at Road America. Those are our picks for Road America this 4th of July weekend. Now for Racing Through Life, we're going to begin one of the segments we tease, where we're going to talk about movies related to racing. And to start off, in honor of the recent release of F9 The Fast Saga, we will be talking about the Fast and the Furious movie series. One of my favorite franchises. Just wanted to let you guys know before we do go into the segment, please note that we are going to be talking about the movie. So if you haven't already seen it, make sure to skip towards the end of our podcast. Uh, otherwise, feel free to listen in. So this movie is so ridiculous. Like, can we all just agree on that? Yeah, it was crazy. I mean, we've we've said it as a family. We we acknowledge that the ridiculousness of the Fast and the Furious franchise is one of the things that it draws us to it, right? We love the yeah, popcorn it, nature. It's a popcorn movie. It's really like I, I was I, I explained it the other days. It's like bugs to light. It's like it's so beautiful we just can't help it. Like we're not watching this movie for anything other than just pure entertainment. You know, it started twenty years ago for me, uh, because of my love of cars, racing, and Paul Walker. And that's where I saw the very first one. Not in that order. It'd be and- Paul Walker, <laughs> cars, then racing. That's true. Anyway, so that's when it started. It started by the 20 way, the years racing ago. Is the only thing that's moved up that hasn't Paul Walker still number one, then racing, <laughs> then the rest of us. That's true, too. <laughs> so, yeah. And so we've been watching them ever since. Well, I mean, I have and Tony, the boys have had to catch up on some of them. But yes, um, everyone after the other has gotten a bit more unreal. So let's let's describe. Let's kind of paint the picture for our audience and what we mean by the ridiculousness, the ridiculous, entertaining nature of the Fast and Furious franchise and why it, it is ridiculous, but it draws us in. So I'm going to go first. For me, the thing that I always go back to, and I think there is definitely a missed opportunity on some kind of a sponsorship, is Vin Diesel and his white T-shirts. Like, I cannot get over the fact that it doesn't matter. Vin Diesel and his white T-shirts, it's like Indiana Jones and the hat. For Vin Diesel, it's this white shirt. He could be rolling in dirt cars, flipping things on fire, you know, people shooting at him. And he stands up in his superhero pose. And that white T-shirt is as crisp and as clean. I'm telling you, go watch The Fast and the Furious. He will do the most amazing stunts that are utterly ridiculous. One thing, I need to say something. Defy the laws of physics, but that white t-shirt stays white he's, and crisp. He's got and it, long sleeve. it doesn't sleeve. get torn. No. I need to say something. He's got long sleeve versions. He's got short sleeve versions. And he's even got sleeveless versions, which don't ever get dirty somehow. And one thing about it, if you take a right out, uh, like the fanciest and the most expensive white t-shirt on the planet... Dip it in a bath of mud. It'll come out brown. But if you dip Vin Diesel's white t-shirts in a bomb bucket of mud. 
it comes out brighter than it came in. Like it's like it's like in movies how like when you're seeing something bright, you're like, oh, I can't see. It's that how that's how bright it will be. Like there is definitely a missed opportunity with either Scotchgard or Teflon, because like again, what epitomizes it in 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 Fast and the Furious Eight, I believe it was eight. He was racing in a car, mind you, backwards. It was on fire, and the car, he ends up having to wreck it on purpose and roll out of the car. So he's literally rolling on the ground after going probably close to 100 miles an hour backwards. In a flaming car. In a flaming car that, oh, by the way, won the race. It (laughs) hits and it explodes in this spectacular explosion. And when he gets up, his white T-shirt is as crisp as if he just put it on. And it happened again in this movie. He's doing all kinds of flips and craziness. Now, they added a little bit of realism this time. They added a little bit of dirt on it, but still no bullet holes or any scratches. It was a, still a very nice looking one. And it was t-shirt. really just at the end after rolling a through a truck that exploded is- behind him with fire and ashes just going over his head and his back. How about the fact that he was running through the truck straight as it's tumbling? Like he w- he didn't fall over. He's just running through it. Like, how does he stay on? How does he stay balanced? It's craziness. So why don't you guys tell us? So that was for me, for you guys. Giovanni, what is the most ridiculous thing from the Fast and Furious franchise? It's just amazing, but it's entertaining for you. You know, we started this series off from just simply street racing and robbing trucks, which, you know, somehow that is believable and realistic. I would say about everything in the first movie is realistic. But we have gotten to a point where we are literally sending a Pontiac into space with rocket jets attached to it and using NOS cans as literal boosters. How have we gotten to this point? Like And using like 1950s like underwater gear for astronaut outer space gear. People who go to space takes months and even possibly years of training. And Tyrese and Tej just leave the planet in a 1989 Pontiac Fiero. And they end up looking like minions at the end of the movie. And then, honestly, their outfit was from World War II. (laughs) That's just... That's Where did they get so many Pontiac Fieros? Because when they were (laughs) testing those cars earlier in the movie, it it was another one and it blew up. And they said they were excited at the beginning, at the end of that one, because they were like, yes, this one didn't blow up before. We know they could have like they could literally have hundreds of Pontiacs just sitting there waiting to be used. Sebastian, what is the craziest thing for you about the Fast and Furious franchise? I think. Similar to Geo, it's just how crazy the series got. Like, let's take a look at each film and the most ridiculous thing in it. For the first movie, The Fast and the Furious, the craziest thing that happens is that they're able to get a car under a truck. Like, that is the craziest thing. And if you think that's crazy, just wait till we get to the later movies. In the second movie, Too Fast, Too Furious, there is like two points where the main character, Brian... O'Connor does a jump, one over a car as they jump on a bri- over a bridge, and then one where they drive a car into a boat. You know, th- that seems a little crazy, but it's more realistic than driving cars into space, or even in the eighth movie, literally The Rock grabbing a missile and just pushing it over ice. How have we gotten to this point? Like, my personal favorite is five. And in that one, they are literally pulling a 
um safe of money across Rio. The next one, they're going they're trying to take down an airplane that's like <laughs> <laughs> it's like the never-ending um runway like the 30 mile and there's a runway. tank in it they're like they're driving a tank all across the oh. road oh wait, wait do you guys remember when brian drives i don't know what car it was i forgot it was like a ferrari or something he's driving it through three buildings and just absolutely wrecking them literally f- gliding over them and i'm just like oh my word you stole my most unbelievable was driving that fancy car that they managed to steal through three buildings in Dubai. Or oh, Abu and Dhabi. also, I think Vin Diesel was wearing a white shirt. Rolls out of it. Perfectly fine. Perfectly clean. And then in six, my favorite, what Sebastian said, like, Vin Diesel is driving a car that's out of the plane that crashed. And, like, it's on fire. And he does a bunch of flips. No, nothing. Perfectly white t-shirt. So, like, two things I think we talked about before no one brought up. What about Vin Diesel seeing, right? Is any he's psychic or something? Oh, yeah, that's right. He does it in 4, Fast and Furious, where he's able to see how his girlfriend died in that movie. Yeah, like, he was somewhere <laughs> though- completely else, and then he's just, like... All no, of a sudden, he stood. He stood on the. He stood on the road where Letty supposedly died, and was able to see exactly how it happened. Yeah, and then again, I, no one said it. What about the submarine? We went from street racing to racing a submarine in in uh, what was it eight? It was an eight. Yeah, it was happened. eight. Just ridiculousness. What was the most ridiculous? But in this thing one, though, we have in this two flying cars, like. Okay, so I think the, the the magnetic car wasn't as a big deal because obviously, like they 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 got it to where the plane and the car would he would like magnetize it. Still kind of crazy. When's the last time you've ever seen that? Happen? But wait, but Vin Diesel Never. and um, Michelle Rodriguez are in a like charger, driving on the top of who knows where. They're about to like dive off of a cliff because they're running out of land, and somehow he like hits the or hits the car on the corner of what used to be a drawbridge and catapults themselves on the rope that is still there from the drawbridge and basically slingshoot themselves to another part of a mountain. And Vin Diesel's just and casually like, doing this. How? Maybe somebody out there can explain the physics to me. I'm not a science person, but that just doesn't seem believable. So again... We may seem like we're making fun and we are having a little fun with it, but it's, I, you're describing all these scenes. I'm like, yeah, I want to watch that movie again. No, it is. I'm <laughs> telling you, it's like, it's, it's a like guilty pleasure. to a yes. light. It's just, you can't help yourself. You have to watch it. And like, you know, when people, when we say we watch these movies and people are like, oh, really? You watch those movies? Like, guys, it's not for, it's not a documentary. It's not for any like educational purpose. It is for pure, pure enjoyment and laughter at the ridiculousness that this franchise has gotten to to the point where even the actors themselves are poking fun at 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 it in their movie yeah so explain that that actually happened in this last movie so tyrese was as the character was was talking about the fact that he thought that they were superheroes and they were invincible like he literally was talking to tej and was saying look at this do you not see this jacket 14 people with guns shooting at me. Not like no blood. Yeah, he it had bullet holes, right? The shirt. They weren't even bull- that bad. But he wasn't hurt. 
it somehow it is amazing. What was the other thing that happened to him? Oh, the he was actually running away from a truck that was about to fall into a landmine. And the truck literally blasts up and either lands on him or lands in front of him. And everyone's like, oh, it landed on top of him. When you're watching it, it, it looks lands like it, on right? top of him. And miraculously, he's fine. He's fine. He's Just on the other out. side of the truck. Perfectly fine. So it's ridiculous. Yeah, it was it was a little bit. Of, it was a little bit. There's a lot of ridiculousness in this movie. Another ridiculous is speaking of that drawbridge that was broken. It broke while Tej and Roman and um, we're driving across it, right? It was just it's complete. Oh, Oh, Ramsey and Ramsey. They're just completely down. They're in this truck or they're on this drawbridge in a truck and the drawbridge breaks as they are on it. And it's literally falling behind them. And somehow they managed to drive that truck vertically up the broken drawbridge back onto the mountain. Yeah, and another thing I find super crazy and ridiculous is how many times this series, including this movie, have brought dead characters back. The big thing with this film was that they were going to bring back the character of Han, who died in Tokyo Drift, and then it was retconned that it was killed by Jason Statham in Seven. And it was like, oh, snap, they're bringing him back. And I just find it so ridiculous how this series is willing to like bring back characters. Cause the big thing with the fourth movie was that they killed Letty, but then they wreck, but then they say, no, she's alive. So I wonder they could totally bring back like half of the dead characters from these movies. Like I'm putting my money that Gal Gadot will show up in F 10 and F 11 as Giselle again. And fast 10 your seatbelts. That's what <laughs> they should have called the movie. And there's two things I'm mad about in F nine. The first thing is, well, when um, Letty and Mio went to Tokyo, they got some bowls of like noodles, and like they and like they didn't eat it, and then they just walked away and left them. I was so mad. I was, I was like, "Are you gonna eat that? Because at least give it to a homeless person." <laughs> and then like like first, uh, Letty just stared at Mia. Mia just mixed it and didn't even take a bite. They only drank their drinks that they had. They wasted the soup and noodles. Huh? And then the second thing I'm mad about, they destroyed a perfectly beautiful. Toyota Supra. Yeah, they did. You told me something. Who told me that? Uh, it was kind of a nod to the first movie. It was me because I noticed that in the first movie, Brian's car that he had gotten was an orange Toyota Supra, which he had ended up giving to Dom in the end. And Dom kind of gave a Toyota Supra to Jacob, which was also orange. And Jacob happens to be played by John Cena. And he is Mia and Dominic Toretto's long lost lost brother that we spent how many movies? Eight movies and knew nothing about. And we just found out about him now. I mean, I guess, hey, George Lucas can go and retcon and redo and, you know, come up with storylines that we never thought about. I guess Vin Diesel and Fast and the Furious can do it. Yes, that was kind of crazy. Like they didn't mention anything about this brother. And all of a sudden now he's got this brother in this this movie. That was that was also a little crazy. But it was interesting. I mean, I like John Cena, though. He's actually a really good actor. I like him. I, he's very entertaining. I, I did like think, him. though, that it was a good um, they did do a good job tying the story from the first movie, because in the first movie, um, Vin Diesel or Dominic Toretto is telling uh, Paul Walker's character of what happened to his dad and how he died. So they do bring this back in like 
action, like in, you know, you see it when it happens. And so that's how they were able to introduce the brother. So I think they did a really good job in bringing that story in. The funny part for us is just that, you know, eight movies in and we didn't know that Dominic and Mia had a brother. Yeah. And also something interesting is that they had like extended scenes of the flashbacks with the story of Dom's dad and how he and Jacob fell apart. And it kind of calls back to the reason why Vin Diesel said no on Too Fast, Too Furious was that he felt that the the sequel should have done something like Godfather 2 where they tell a sequel and a prequel at the same time. But because it was just like a standalone story that didn't connect, that's why Vin Diesel said no. But with this one, they technically did Godfather Part 2 with the sequel and the prequel. That's uh, that's some interesting uh, movie knowledge. Oh, and then something weird is that like when Vin Diesel was fighting like 50 men falling into the water and like and like it's either that like chains, metal and concrete falling on him. And it's like that. um, Like someone was there protecting him, like just moving the rocks away from him. It was the scotch card on his white T-shirt. Created a was really nice looking and dry. A force field. Yeah, it was. It was the king of cars, the king of cars protecting him, and then when he started drowning, the king of cars protecting him again, um, um, protecting him with a bubble of air to them to to um breathe and think about a flashback of him when he was younger. So uh, let me let let's uh, as we kind of wrap up this section. uh, One thing I do want to acknowledge about the movie that I thought was kind of interesting. They alluded to it in the first movie, and then obviously in in nine, it plays a bigger role, is the fact that Toretto's dad was a stock car racer and was working his way up the stock car ranks. I was waiting for a stock car to be seen in this movie, and I'm pre- it's pretty cool to see that, you know, stock car racing is in Toretto's blood. I was waiting for that kind of NASCAR stock car connect. Co- they said connection. something about the Bush series. Like, he was gonna, trying to get a Bush series spot. Yeah, he was uh, supposed... The storyline was that his dad, the next season, was going to have a have a place on a team and then obviously uh, died in that race and, and didn't ever make it. But it is interesting, that connection to stock car racing. And, of course, you know, this is a, a show, a, a podcast about stock car racing. Yeah, and it also seemed like... Um, Toretto was going to or Dominic was going to follow in his dad's footsteps because um, he said he was banned from in the first movie. He said because of what happened, which the the reason that he went to jail, he was banned from uh, the tracks, from any tracks. And so that's basically what stopped him from going into a race, a racing career. So yeah, for F9, I would give it an 8 out of 9. It was a pretty good movie. Since this is a NASCAR podcast, let's give it f- out of five checkered flags. How many would you give it? All right, I would give it a 4 out of 5 checkered flags. It was really good, and it had some great like uh, emotional storyline stuff and callbacks. I think my biggest criticism with the movie is how they handle the character Brian because the actor Paul Walker passed away and they retired his character with Fury 7 but with this movie they brought back Mia who was also retired in that movie but the weird thing is is that they act they say that Brian is taking care of the kids and it's weird that he wouldn't get involved I'd say the only way they can fix this is if they make an animated short which my brothers and father have thought of too 
They make an animated short about him taking care of the kids during this movie. And then something funny is that, like, he's just going to the supermarket and then, like, and then, like, um, and then there's a fight in the supermarket. So he joins that. And it's just a bit of like, mayhem. I, I was going to say about the, the animated story idea, just so you think we're not totally crazy. It kind of is along the lines of what they're doing with Jurassic World. You know, they have this animated story to kind of expand on it. And, the, and then the other thing is obviously the actor. Uh, Paul Walker um, passed away in the middle of making seven. So out of respect to him and his family, they said they weren't going to kill off his character or replace him necessarily. Uh, so this is a way to keep him in the story. That's a little bit more believable because I think even Karen, you had issues with the way that that played out in this. Yeah, I did. That was one of, one of those other like not believables, not an unbelievable, but a not believable thing as a mom. I get that Mia um was there because of her brother jake but as a mom i just can't fathom that she would just leave her kids and possibly go out there to face danger and uh or i'm sorry that she would actually go out there to face danger and possibly die you know and leave her kids behind uh and the other thing too is like yeah after seeing these movies from the very start realistically paul walker's character I don't see that he could just be okay with staying home with the kids. So I think they could have done something a little different. Obviously, you know, Paul Walker is not alive and he can't play his role, but they should have done something a little bit more, um, you know, that was believable. Even though we're just talking about a movie where a lot of things are completely unbelievable. I still think they they should have done something different with both of those characters. Because again, as a mom, I can't fathom going out to possibly risk my life and leave my children behind. Yeah, I can barely get you to go on a roller coaster with me, let alone go with your brother to fight spies and stuff. Yeah, exactly. I won't go on a plane like with you and my kids not be with us because I'd be so afraid of leaving them alone, like leaving them if something happened. Um, but yeah, so I will give it it's Fast and the Furious movie. So I have to give it like four. Wow, you guys are generous. Four, I was going to say four and a half, but I'm going to say four. That's, that's like a perfect movie. Five gonna, out of five is a perfect I'm movie. I'm going to, no, I'm going to say, I was going to say four and a half, but I'm going to say there four no just because movie. of the, I think the, the Paul Walker and the Mia story line. Um, but other than that, I love the ridiculousness. The Furious, the Fast and the Furious franchise will always be near and dear to my heart. Well, I'm giving it a one out of five. It was horrible. It defied the laws of physics. It was tit. No, I'm just kidding. It was honestly pretty good. But like Dad said, a perfect movie would have to be like, you know, perfect. But it wasn't perfect. So I'm going to have to give it a four out of five because it was good. It was fun and entertaining. But it's, you know, that it's just not perfect. And there were a couple of things that they could have done better on, like the whole Brian thing. Overall, it was a pretty good movie. A couple things it could have worked on, but pretty entertaining. Wow, guys. Uh, I mean, Johan, you go next and then I'm up. But I, I'm just surprised. Like of all the people, I thought I would be the one that would grade on a curve. But all right. Johan, what would you think? Honestly, I'm going to give it a three. Oh, OK. All right. Tell us more. So the reason is like the Paul Walker. I wanted to see Paul Walker get out of the car and sit in the chair. I want to see him in the chair, not just stay in the car. I want to see him in the but, chair. But- but you, so you mean like get one of his brothers or they do CGI or something? CGI or even get if you his saw brother his back, and then like, CGI right? his face. Like, too. but even if you saw him like get out of the car 
in the backside of him that kind of resembled him. That yeah, would like, be okay. At least I would be fine if like they he ha- they have him get out, slam the door, and then the and then we just see his back and cut it. And then they could maybe just CGI his brother that looks like him and make it look more like Brian. So besides that, what what else did you like or not like about the movie? What I also did not like is that I was confused about like they said something about like when the dad throw in the race about the race where he where um the race in the beginning of the movie. So I was confused about that. Oh, the the whole thing with his his brother and his dad and all that. Yeah. Yeah, that was a little bit uh, interesting and, and a little weird the way they played that out. By the way, one of the reasons I'm giving it a four and not like a four point five is because I really didn't like the way they explained how Han came back. It felt confusing and weird and like, wait, what? Because they basically explained that Mr. Nobody, played by Kurt Russell, did some kind of magic trick to help Han fake his death because he was working on assignments in Tokyo, which also happened to do with the plot of the movie. Hmm. And it's like super weird. Like they couldn't have said... um. Like at this point, they could have just used like they were they made it look like he died and then they revived the body later. Well, let me see. What am I going to give it? Well, you guys all graded really high. I I would not have put it at that level because I actually really like the Fast and Furious franchise. Like we talked about it. We love all those movies. And honestly, some of those movies, like I think seven and eight, crazy, ridiculous. But I, I think the middle ones like the four, five, six and seven are excellent excellent movies i think the the plot the the way the character development all that i and and just they're just popcorn movies are a lot interesting to watch i don't think nine was at that level so there i'm gonna start there uh was i entertained absolutely um were there moments where it made me kind of question like the plot or the characters yeah probably more so in this movie than some of the more recent ones so I'm actually going to go with a 2.75 flag out of five. So just a notch less than Johan, but it's it's an it was an average movie in the sense when you compare it to the other Fast and Furious movies. I really miss The Rock. I think he adds a lot to the franchise. Um, the villain didn't really play out for me. I I just you know Charlie Theron. Um, did I say her name correctly? Yeah. Uh, she's an amazing actress and she did amazing in the last movie. I didn't think that her character was as fleshed out and really didn't intimidate me as and scare me as she did in the other movies. Um, I, I really like John Cena. I think he's a funny, entertaining actor. I think they could have done more with him and make his role a little bit more believable. The whole brother line, I think, was... You know, we talk about ridiculous, but then there's plot ridiculousness that I can't forgive as much. I can forgive the crazy suspending physics and all that stuff. Plot stuff in the plot that's not believable. That's a little harder to forgive when you're talking about a movie. So uh, that's why I give it again. Would I watch it again? Absolutely. Um, Would I say it's one of my favorite uh, Fast and Furious movies? No, but I will say there are some of the Fast and Furious movies are one. Some are probably in my top 10 all time movies. And, and the franchise is definitely one of the top franchises. Um, and it is amazing story to think about a movie franchise that started out about a subculture of street racing and evolved over time 
to now world, you know, travelers and spies and spy movies and all of this other action and going from streetcars to under the water with the submarine to now outer space. I think that's an amazing feat that it actually plays into the whole storyline. Um, so I definitely recommend that you watch the movie with a grain of salt, more so than maybe even some of the other ones. Uh, but uh, definitely an entertaining movie. So before we go, I want to do two things. One, I'm going to change mine from a four to a three, only because you you made a really great point about the other movies. The other movies, there are other movies that are um, on that franchise that were much better. Um, and second, let's go around the table and let's uh, share which one, which uh, Fast and the Furious movie is our favorite. But um, one thing. I'm going to start. My favorite is the original. OG, you're an OG club. Yeah, so before I tell my favorite, change mine to a 3.5. Dad, con- Dad convinced me. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm changing but- mine to a, t- a 1.5. No, stop. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Always got to go crazy. Oh, yeah, I'm changing- go crazy. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Geo, what was your fa- what's your favorite movie? I think my favorite is probably the first one. I just think it's very eventful and it's fun. And, you know, it's it's pretty cool. It's the first one, really enjoyable, and I like it a lot. I like I, the thing that I like about the first one, why the OG is so uh, is is fun for me, is because of all the hooked up cars. Um, I had a 1999 green Dodge Neon, which I loved because it was so cute, and I was going to hook my car up. I literally went to car shows to check out like what to do to my car. I got as far as just adding all like the clear lights to my car. I was going to and and I did like the little uh, colored lights at the front of the um, the windshield wiper sprayer. And then the next thing I was going to do was the bottom glow lights. But um, and now it's a V8 Hemi Dodge Challenger. I mean, you can't change it any better than that. It's true. I got married, had kids, and that car eventually got traded in for a Challenger. So I'm going to change my score for F9 to 3.5. You got it. And my personal favorite is Fast Five. I really like the setting of Rio and the fact that all these characters get to do a heist together. The Rock's great in it and has one of my favorite lines in the entire series where he drops the F-bomb. <laughs> and then also... The bad guy in that movie, who I think is interesting and intimidating, like I really like that scene where he describes the way the Portuguese invaded compared to the Spanish. He looks like my aunt's dad. Yeah, we always do talk about that. We're like, if he, his doppelganger was this actor. So yeah, that always does uh, make him a little bit more intimidating when we see him in person. Johan. What is your favorite movie in the Fast and the Furious franchise? Now, have you seen all of them? I don't think you've seen them all. I haven't seen Tokyo Drift. I actually have seen five, but I, I, just, I remember stuff now, but I just really didn't remember some of it, but I remember it now. So what's your of the movies you've seen, what's your favorite? One thing, I'm lowering it. I'm, I'm giving the two of F9, but my favorite is, I got to say my favorite is... The Fast and the Furious 6, because I just love it. I love... What's the bad guy's name again? It's like Owen, Owen Shaw. Owen Shaw, and he's played by live-action Gaston. Yeah, I like him. He he looks good like the Gaston, so he's a... He is... <laughs> I gotta say, even though he is a villain, he is pretty nice. <laughs> so, for those of you uh, who don't know, Johan 
loves Gaston. That's his favorite Disney character. He likes villains in and general. And he loves villains. So, yeah, naturally. So, all right. If I had to pick, I think. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh. I wasn't done explaining. And then, like, um, the, like everything with, like, the craziness, the um, action, like a giant tank on the middle of the road. Crazy. And then, like, I think it was the movie, like, Letty came back. And, like, she actually had more screen time than, like, an uncredit scene finding out when she came back. And then, like, the whole long runway thing, the final fight in the plane. And it was just really good. Vin Diesel flipping over, coming out with a perfectly white shirt. <laughs> and then the ending where they all have a meal, meals, and then I have some drinks and stuff. I love it. You love that? Well, you know what? I'm going to go one further than you. I'm going to say seven. I don't seven. like seven. I know it's it is a tearjerker. It's a little emotional because that is the movie when we lost Paul Walker uh, and they had to work that into the storyline. Not again, his character dying, but like, how do you finish the movie when he wasn't around to finish it? And it was very they had a very touching moment at the very end. And, and I'm not afraid to admit that I may get a little teary eyed every now and then when I see that, even though I know what's happening. And the song with that movie, it's one of my favorite songs. Um, yeah, it's an, it's a, it, it gets you. It gets you in the feels. Uh, but overall, I think the movie was fantastic. It brought all the characters uh, to that point together. They all had great roles, um, you know, and the villain was uh, Owen Shaw's brother, um, who is the Decker. actor. Shaw. Decker Shaw, but the actor. Handsome Rob. What's his <laughs> Jason that, Statham. Thank you, Jason Statham. Yes, Handsome Rob as Karen knows him from the <laughs> job. Jason Statham sounds like a guy from a commercial that is Fle- that is Phil Swift's um, brother. Maybe it's his stage name or something. I don't know. But the point is, I think he's an excellent uh, villain in the movie. And it kind of set up some of the future movies. And it, it, it also is, it was, is pivotal in how this movie is now transition these movie franchise transition now into the spy movie. And I think in seven, it had one of my all time favorite ridiculous scenes, which is when they had cars flying through the buildings in Abu Dhabi. And I love Abu Dhabi. I love the United Arab Emirates had a chance to travel there. It's an amazing place in the world. And so they actually having parts of the movie set there was also pretty amazing. Uh, So I think I would have to definitely go with seven. And for me, seven, I would give probably a four and a half out of five. So that's the line of thinking why I gave this movie nine, probably like a, I I don't want to say two and a half. I don't want to say two. I say 2.75. I do think it's better than average. I just don't think it measures up, especially in the Fast and the Furious franchise. So there you go. We talked about the Pocono Double. We talked about next week's race, the most American race there is on the 4th of July. And we wrapped it up with our review of the Fast 9. What is the official name? It's F9 or Fat? What is F9, it? F9. Fast nine. No, it's called Fat 9. No, what is it? What is the real name? F9, F9 the, the Fast, Fast saga. saga. All right. So with that, Giovanni. Why don't you take us out?
that's going to wrap up this week's episode, everyone. Thank you so much for listening on in. Please consider subscribing, downloading all of our podcast episodes, and following all of our socials. Let's go racing family, out. Out.